tonight to uh, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper tonight. We've done it the first Sunday night of, of the month, uh, of each month this year. Going to do that all the way to the end of the year, Lord willing. And, uh, but tonight, uh, and we've done it differently each time uh, as far as the order of the service. Uh, tonight, uh, I want to do a little bit of preaching, not a whole lot, just maybe a little bit more teaching than preaching tonight, and uh, just walk you through a couple of scriptures, uh, give you a couple of thoughts tonight, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. First John chapter number 1, uh, let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you this evening. Lord, we need you tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray God for your wisdom. I pray God for your uh, unction. I pray God for your power. Lord, thank you for what you did this morning. Lord, that you saved Xavier. Thank you for that, Lord. This second or third time he's been here, and Lord, you saved him this morning. God, I'm grateful that you did that. Lord, you're still in the saving business. Lord, you've saved several in recent days. God, I thank you for that. I pray, God, that you'd work in his heart. Lord, work in our hearts tonight. God, uh, Lord, help us this evening, Lord, to receive from you what you have uh, for us to receive. I appreciate folks that are here uh, tonight. I appreciate folks that have made the effort, whatever effort it may have been, and for some very little, and for some major effort to come tonight. And uh, Lord, it wasn't a big effort for me, uh, but Lord, there's some that it was. And for whatever effort that was given to get here tonight, I thank you for it. And I pray, God, that they'd leave tonight, God, better because of it, and that they'd leave having received something from you tonight that will help them. God, help us, I pray. And God, may we not just be receivers tonight. May we not just be uh, uh, hearers only, but may we be responders. May we be doers of your word. God, may we worship you, praise you, exalt you, glorify you, witness of your goodness, uh, testify of your grace. God, help us tonight, I pray. May we participate uh, in all that's said and done this evening, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated tonight. Uh, I, you're in First John. I want to take about 20 minutes this evening and uh, uh, share a thought the Lord uh, uh, directed me to tonight uh, or this evening, this afternoon, uh, and, 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 and help us uh, with some Bible truth tonight. First uh, John chapter two, uh, and we'll look in First John chapter four, or three rather, and we'll look in First John chapter four, uh, and be done this evening. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of proof, or a lot of proofs, uh, on how you can know that you are a Christian, how you can know that you are saved. Uh, doing these things, John never did say that if we do these things, then this will save us. Salvation is not of works. But if we do these things, or these things are done through us, or by us, or in us, then they are a proof to you and I that we have been saved. You didn't get saved by your work, but because you had faith and you have been saved, now you have some works, James teaches us. Uh, I, I want to look at a handful of them tonight, maybe three or four, uh, right here in the book of First John. Uh, some proof uh, for the child of God, some proof that you've been born again, some proof uh, that you are a Christian indeed. 
Uh, and I believe tonight you ought to take that serious. Uh, I believe you ought to examine yourself. Uh, I believe that Christians ought to examine themselves. Uh, am I in the faith? Have I received uh, salvation that is true, that has changed my life? Uh, or am I playing a religious game? Uh, I believe you ought to make an examination of yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, there's a lot of folks that live their life in fear, constantly wondering and worrying, am I saved? Almost as if God uh, takes salvation like uh, we would playing with a little cat and he puts it on the end of a string and he's always pulling it from us and yet never letting us attain to it. Well, salvation is not something that you attain to. Salvation is something that you receive. And Jesus is not willing that you perish. He's not trying to keep it from you. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants you to have it, but you're gonna have to have it on his terms. You have to have it on his terms. Uh, and if you get it, you got it on his terms. He said, I am the door, and uh, there's only one door. He said, I am the way, there's only one way. I am the truth, there's only one truth. I am the life, there's only one life, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Your family won't get you there, your bloodline won't get you there, your nationality won't get you there, your race won't get you there, your church membership or denomination won't you get you there, but you'll come by the way of the cross or you'll not come at all. And is anybody glad tonight that you've come by the way of the cross? I've come by the way of the cross. Uh, Brother Tory Dismuke, his wife passed away uh, nearly a month ago now, a preacher's wife, married 30 years and uh, she fought the last five or six years with cancer and it just eat her up. Uh, and, and finally, uh, Brother Torres said it got so bad that she was just out of it a whole lot of the time and they were all heartbroken. He said the last conversation we ever had, he said the very last conversation that we ever had with her as a family, he said uh, she called us all. She woke up one day and she called all the family in there, her children, three children, her husband, called them all to her bedside, and uh, he said that, she said, I want y'all to know about my salvation one more time. I wanna tell y'all about what the Lord did for me. And she began to tell them about the day, she took them back to the day when she was lost, and she took them back to the place where in her sin she bowed before the Lord and she got saved. And, 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 and she said that God had given her this song in her latter days. And here's what she told them. She said, I want y'all to know before I leave here that uh, I'm tired. And she's a young lady in her early 50s. She said, I'm tired, I'm sick, and I'm worn out. But she said, I need y'all to know that I have, gone, I have come by the way of the cross. And she said, I'm gonna be all right. And I'll see y'all uh, again soon. I'm glad somebody ought to help me tonight that I've come by the way of the cross. I've come by the way of the cross. And I'm not looking to leave tonight. I'm not hoping to leave tonight. But when my time comes, I'm glad, thank God, uh, that I've come by the way of the cross. And I know some things about my salvation. John gives us the book of 1 John. This is the same writer who gives us the, the, the book of John, the gospel of John. It's the same writer who gives us the book of Revelation. And he gives us these three epistles, 1 and 2 and 3 John. And he says, I'm writing to you these things that I've written unto you that you might know that you have everlasting life. And some of you are sitting in here tonight and you're pretty sure you have it. And some of you are sitting in here tonight and you hope you have it. And some of you are sitting in here tonight and you want to have it, 
but you don't know. And John said, I've written that you might know. And if you don't know tonight, it's not God's fault. If you don't know that you're saved tonight, it's not God's fault. God has given us ample scripture to show us that we might know that we're saved. God's not hid it from you. God's not withheld it from you. God's given it to you. God's made it possible that you might know. And if you don't have it tonight, it's not God's fault. And if you don't know that you have it, it's not God's fault. But I'm glad, thank God, we can know. We can know. Uh, There are multiple denominations that are built on the fact of trying to get it. There are multiple ministries tonight that are operating under the assumption of trying to work our way into it. And this is not, Jesus' church is not built on trying to get it. It's not built on working your way into it. It's not built on aspiring up to something. But it is built upon the fact of what he has written that we might know that we have what we say that we have through him. Now I want you to look with me in 1 John chapter 2, verse number, uh, let's just back up to verse number 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Uh, uh, it, you ought not sin. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. You ought not sin. Now God goes ahead through the person of the Holy Spirit and goes ahead and helps us out because if he'd ended there, said, now you ought not sin, uh, if it ended there, we'd all be a little uh, troubled tonight. But here's what he says, and if any man sin, now he's not talking about the lost world, he's talking about the any man that he's talking to and he's talking to my little children. He's talking to God's children in the church. That's what all of you are tonight. I don't care if you're seven or 77, you're all on the same page before God. You're his little children. There, there are no big Christians and little Christians. Brother Tripp, could you give me just a touch more monitor tonight? There are no big Christians and little, uh, little Christians. There are, no, there are no major Christians and minor Christians. We're all on the same page tonight. That little one that got saved in kindergarten is just as much a child of God as that one that got saved and has been saved for the last 40 years. Now, we ought to respect our elders and honor our brethren that are beyond us and above us in life. But there are no big Christians and little Christians. There are no, there, there are no major Christians and minor Christians. We're all equal at the foot of the cross of Calvary. We're all his on the same page. And John said, we're all his little children. And John said, because we're his little children, you're my little children. My little children, these things. I am writing to teach you that you might know. He said, you ought not sin. You ought not sin. Little children ought not sin. God's children ought not sin. Can I get a witness right there? You ought not do it. It's not good for your life. It's not good for your mind. It's not good for your heart. It's not good for your family. It's not good for your testimony. You ought not sin. And if any man, but if any man does, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm glad, thank God, that part of that verse is in my Bible tonight. I have an advocate with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. That word advocate is he speaks on my behalf. There is somebody speaking on my behalf tonight. I'm not having to plead my own case. I, I didn't feel like preaching really. I wasn't, didn't feel like not preaching, but I, I just thought I might talk to you a minute, but I'm starting to feel like preaching tonight. I, 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 don't have to, I don't have to talk on my own behalf. I don't have to justify myself before the Father. I'm not gonna have to stand before God one day and try to talk God into letting me in. That won't work. 
but I have one that speaks on my behalf. And he speaks on my behalf because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, uh, the Son, speaks on my behalf. We have an advocate with the Father. He pleads our case. When God sees me, he sees the blood. When he sees me, he sees me in Christ. And if you've ever been born again tonight, he sees you through uh, the blood of the Lord Jesus. He sees you in Christ Jesus tonight. We have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, verse number three, and hereby, uh, notice that word hereby, hereby, by this, what I'm about to say, hereby, watch this, we know that we know. You ever heard folks say, boy, you ought to know that you know. Hereby we know that we know. There's a double know there. God wants you to know more than everybody else. God wants you to know that you know. God said we do know that we know. We can know that we know. Hereby we know that we know him. How do we know that? If we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him, keepeth not his commandments, is the liar and the truth is not in him. But whosoever, or whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now, number one, this simple preaching tonight, this Bible preaching that'll work anytime, everywhere, every time. That'll help folks. If you want to know that you're saved, you need to ask your question, what do I think, what do I do with the word of God? What is my response to the word of God? Uh, will help you answer the question, do I know him? What do you think about his book? Uh, I, 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 I want to I clarify some things tonight. There is no sinlessly perfect people. Uh, there is no such thing as sinless perfection. Uh, if, if we break the law, the Bible said we've broken all points of the law. That's what makes us all sinners. We've all sinned because we've all uh, sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if I've broken one point of the law, I've broken, I've broken all the law. God, God said if you, if, you, if, you, if you miss one mark, you've missed the whole thing. You've, you've missed it all. You've broken it all. And that's what makes us all sinners on our way to hell that must realize we're sinners, confess that we're sinners, and come to Christ as a sinner because I, I have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So what in the world is John, if we're all sinners, we've all broke the law before we got saved, does John expect us to keep the law perfectly after we get saved? No, because he makes an exception in what we just read. If any man sin, he's talking to the little children, if any man sin, well, sin's breaking the law, right? Sin's uh, breaking the commandment. I thought we were to keep the commandment that we might know that we have eternal life. We are, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ the righteous. So what in the world is John talking about by keeping his commandments? Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. We, we make things difficult. Uh, I... Uh, uh, some of you, some of you ladies. Well, well, let me, let me, let me, let me back up and give you a te- uh, give you a, a um, uh, definition of the word keep. 
I didn't go to the Greek to get it, didn't go to the Hebrew to get it. I went to the English dictionary and got it. And Noah Webster, 1828, I'll, I'll read it to you tonight. Just looked it up in my office uh, just, just a minute ago. The word keep means to hold, to retain in one's power or possession, to not lose it uh, as someone keeps a house or a farm or a keepsake. Some of you ladies, when you were kids, I don't know that they do this much anymore, but my, my grandmother had a, uh, had a box uh, that uh, was, was uh, at the end of her bed, uh, and it was a keepsake box. Uh, it, it was stuff that she had from the time of her early childhood, and it was things that she possessed that were given to her from her parents, from her grandparents, and it was passed down to her, and she had that keepsake box and uh, she kept that all throughout her childhood, all throughout her early years, all throughout her, her marriage and her raising children. And those were things that she kept in her possession. Those were, now, she didn't keep everything that was given to her through her childhood, but she kept that. That, that means to hold on to. That means to hold securely. Uh, some of you are trying to keep house. Uh, that don't mean you got everything together. You're just trying to keep what God's given you. Uh, to keep his commandments is not a sinless perfection. I believe tonight you ought to try to live for God to the best of your ability without sin, without sinning. I don't believe you ought to justify sin and say, well, we all do it. I believe we ought to try our hardest to live for God. But there's none righteous, no, not one. And all the righteousness we have is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to keep his commandments means we hold them, we cherish them, they are dear to us, and we believe them, right? What about you? You say, preacher, I have salvation, but now I'm not really interested in this book. Preacher, I have salvation, but I have no interest in reading it. Preacher, I have salvation, but I have not hid it in my heart. Preacher, I have no salvation, but God doesn't speak to me through it. Preacher, I'm saved, but I, 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 I do things the way I want to do them. That is a false religion tonight. That is a, that is a religion of Gnosticism. It is a religion of the mind. If you have Jesus, if you've been born again, then God has given you his word, and his word has become dear to you. And though you may not read at every moment of every day though there may be seasons of your life where you walk away from it it is still there ever speaking to you because it is kept in your heart and God did not say that we had to keep it to be saved but God said if you are saved you'll keep it and when you keep it it helps you know can you go back some of you were saved as children but can you go back to a time before you got saved where maybe you had a Bible but it meant nothing to you. It was an heirloom. It was a corner piece on a bookshelf. But when you got saved, it is now in your hand. And more times than not, there are days in the week when this book is in your hand. This book is in your hand when you walk into church. This book is in your hand when you sit down at your nightstand and read at night. This book is in your hand in the morning. And not only is it in your hand, but it's in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Not only is it in your hand, and not only is it in your heart, but it is in your head. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's in my heart, it's in my hand, it's in my head. And John said, if you want to know you're saved, a good way to know you're saved is what you think and do with this book. 
If you spend your life arguing about how it's not right, if you spend your life arguing about how it's not relevant to you, if you spend your life trying to not do what it says do. Now here's the thing, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but people that know him spend their life trying to keep it. People that don't know him spend their life trying to get around it. Is anybody gonna talk back to me tonight? And some of you in here tonight, I'm not trying to throw stones, but I'm trying to see, get you to see the expediency of the situation that you're in and the error of the situation you're in. There are people doing the very best they can to keep that book according to the law because they know it is well in their life. And there are people in the same church trying to get around it on every hand to get away from it, to get around what it says. Your response to the word of God. There are people in our youth group. I love every one of you. I love every one of you the same. I'm grateful for everyone. But there are kids in our youth group and some of you are struggling to do right, but you're struggling. You're struggling to do right, but you're struggling. And that's a wonderful thing. You say, preacher, how's it wonderful that I'm struggling? Because you're struggling to do right. And you'd be better off struggling to do the right thing than open to the wrong thing. You're struggling to do right, but you're struggling. Let that be comfort. You know why you're struggling? Because the word is in your hand. It's in your heart. It's in your head. And it's ever before you talking to you about your wrong. But then there's some not struggling at all. You're doing the wrong thing openly. You're doing the wrong thing publicly. You're doing the wrong thing always. And you're not struggling with your sin. And the reason why is because you've not kept that word. You've not kept that commandment. It's not hid in your heart. And you have no problem going around it. Am I talking to anybody tonight? And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandment, he said you want to know that you know me, then keep that book. If you want to know that you know me, put it in your hand, put it in your heart, put it in your head. If you want to know that you know me, what do you do when it comes to the word of God? Are you trying to keep it or trying to not keep it? Are you trying to do what it says or trying to see how far and how much you can do that it or that you can do against what it says. You see that? Uh, it's amazing to me. They said the, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Uh, the word is quick and powerful. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The, the, the words of the Lord are pure words. They're pure words. They're, they're, they're pure words. And, and when God's people hear them, when God's people, uh, they, they, you may walk away from God. You may walk away from the will of God. But when the word of God is preached to you, when the word of God is brought, it, is, it, 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 it brings you back to a remembrance. It brings you back. It, uh, uh, it, it is a cleansing agency. Uh, 
uh, listening to the preaching of the word of God. Uh, somebody said one time about J. Vern McGee. They said, I love listening to him on the radio. Just read the Bible and expound on it. Said, it seems like I just sat down and got a bath and got clean. That's because, not because of the man, but because of the word. The word of God cleanses us. It is a cleansing agent. And if you, and if you desire, God, I gotta read your Bible because I need clean. God, I need, it's been a while. I need to get back to the word of God because I need cleansing. That is speaking volumes in your life. When you're dirty, you run to it for cleansing. When you're guilty, you run to it for, for, for forgiveness. When you're, when you're scared, you run to it for strength. You don't even realize you're doing it. But tonight I want you to realize what you're doing because God said that's how you know that you know him. Here's the second thing quickly tonight. And I know many of y'all been at the nursing home today. Y'all left here this morning, had choir practice this morning. You left this morning. You went to the nursing home. You just barely made it back for church. You're tired. I understand that. I can tell it. That's all right. It's all right. Just do the best you can to let me give this to you as quick as I can tonight and get it, all right? Uh, here's the second thing. Look in chapter number three. First John chapter number three. We know, verse 14, that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Verse 19, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Here's how we know what about God's word. Here's how we know what about our brethren. And who is my brother? Well, in our context tonight, he's not even talking about the whole world. He's talking about this body. He said, if you don't love your brother, how dwelleth the love of Christ in you? If you don't love your brother, if you don't love the people that make up his body, you know tonight that the church is the body of Christ and not only that, it's the bride of Christ. It would be like you saying, I love Brother Josh, but I hate Miss Brittany. But we're one. How can you love me and hate her? It would be like you saying, I, I love her, but hate Brother Josh. How can you love her and hate me because we're one? We are two different personalities, that is understandable, but we're the same person. We're one with one another. We took a bond of holy matrimony. Two flesh became one, and we became one, and tonight we are one, and, and, and you can't love Jesus and hate his church. You can't love Jesus and hate your neighbor sitting on the pew with you in church. But he didn't say you had to love your brother to be saved. But he said if you want to know that you're saved... How do you feel about your brother? You don't have to keep his commandments to be saved. But if you want to know that you're saved, what are you doing with his commandments? 
You don't have to love your brother to get saved. But if you are saved and you want to know it, what about your brother? What about your brother? Uh, what about that brother that's hard to love? What about that brother that's difficult to love? Now he said, that's how you know that you're saved. Because God has made me to love people that he loves. Oh, is anybody hearing me tonight? God has made me to love people that he loves. And it's a good day in your life when you realize that you're not the prized possession of Calvary. You are the prized possession of Calvary and you're not the prized possession of Calvary. You are in the being the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You are the prized possession of Calvary. He laid his whole life down for you. You are a pearl of great price. Jesus really thinks a whole lot of me and he really thinks a whole lot of you and we really are special. Glory to his name. In the eyes of God, I am a prized possession of Calvary, but I am not the prized possession of Calvary. I am not premier above you and you're not premier above me, but everybody views their own self that way. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the good one. And all the rest of them are black sheep in the body of Christ. Well, I am the prize. And all the rest of them, you know, me and God's putting up with them. <laughs> The truth of the matter is, is that one struggling every day, God loves him just as much as he loves you. And that one that's difficult on every hand, God loves him just as much as he loves you. And that one that's got nothing figured out except one thing, I came to Jesus and he saved me, God loves them. And that one that pushes your buttons, God loves that, that, that one. And that one that drives you insane, God loves them as much as he loves you and he expects you to love them. And he said, when you do love them, that's a good way for you to know because that's not natural. It's natural to love people that love you back. It's natural to love people that love you first. It's natural to love people that are easy to love. It is not natural to love people that are difficult. It is not natural to love people that are hard. It is not natural to love people that are offensive in your life. But when you do, when you do, John said through the pen and the inspiration of the whole, or the Holy Ghost said through the pen of John, that's how you know that you know him because he laid down his life to help his brethren. If you'd be willing to do that, and if you are, well, I'm willing to do it. Do you do that? Uh, there's a whole lot of folks, if, if all of our assurance was based on our love one for another, wouldn't have an ounce of assurance in the Baptist church. Because they hide like turkeys on opening day when it comes time to help anybody. Huh? Them turkeys are out in our field until season starts. You don't see them no more. They're smart. They, 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 they hide. They hide like a, like a convict the law's looking for when it's time to help their neighbor and their brother. If all of our assurance was based on how we treat one another, most people in the church would have very little assurance. I mean, just, I mean I'm just trying to quit tonight but we've met and y'all are already here let me talk to y'all in the youth group this evening just because you're young don't exclude you from Bible principles 
And if over there at Crossroads Christian Academy, in our staff and in our students and in our parents, because our school is made up of staff, students, and parents, and the parents are just as responsible, just a part of all of it, and the staff is, and the students are. And if in our youth group tonight, if, if, if assurance was, was, was laid on the back completely of how we treat our neighbor, how we treat, I'm not talking about the one who you think is cool and, and, and fun to be with. I'm talking about the one in your class or the ones in your class that you are disgruntled with. I'm talking about those that you have struggles with. If all of our assurance was on the back of how we love them, how much assurance would we have? Huh? John said, you want to know that you're saved? How do you treat God's body? I promise you this much tonight. You may be saved and go home and run everybody in this church down. You may be saved and go home and, and quarrel with everybody. You may be saved. And if you quarrel with everybody, you might want to turn around and realize if it's everybody, it's probably not everybody. I mean, if it's one or two, it might be one or two. But if it's everybody, come on now. Everybody? It's probably not everybody. I'm just saying, I'm not, I mean... I, Probably not everybody. John said, if you want to know that you know me or that you know him, what do you think about his body? His bride. How do you treat them? And tonight, if you want assurance, it'll have something to do with that book. You said, preacher, I don't have a whole lot of assurance. Then get in this book. Preacher, I don't have a whole lot of assurance. Then get involved in this body. If you have the I can take it or leave it mentality when it comes to the word of God, either you're not saved or you're backslid and you have no assurance. And if you have the church, the same mentality, I can take it or leave it, either you're not saved or you have no assurance that you are saved and you need to get saved or get assurance that you're saved. And where you're going to get that is in this book and in this body. It's in this book and in this body that God gives assurance. And God, and I'm just going to say this tonight, and God did not intend for me and you to sneak in at the very last minute right before church starts and, and, and come in and sneak out right, at, right before church ends and never have any communion or fellowship. You need this body. This body needs you. you. You men need the body of Christ. You ladies need the body of Christ. You mothers, you young people, God wants you to be here not because God can't make it without you, but because you can't make it without Him and He has provided provided a book that you need and he's provided a body that you need. And I cannot say to my elbow that I don't need you and I cannot say to any of my fingers that I don't need you and I cannot say to my ears that I don't need you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Christ and God has given every part of my body to function to make my body what it needs to be. And in the body of Christ it's the same. You need your armpits. If you ever didn't have them, you'd wish you could get them back. And I'm not saying any of you are armpits, but I may have known one or two in times gone by.
Here's the third one tonight. He said, keep, keep his word, love his body. Look in chapter 3, verse number 24. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. Here it is again. Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit, capital S, which he hath given us. Chapter 4, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Verse 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. He said, Here's how you know that you know him if his spirit abides in you. If you have his spirit, capital S, abiding in you. Here's how you know that you have his spirit. What does his spirit say about Jesus? Verse 6, chapter 4. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know, or hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, knoweth God. He said there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. Do you have his spirit? Do you? Here's what the Pentecostal church says, how you know you have his spirit. You speak in tongues. You cast out devils. You have healing power. Here's how they say, if you know that you have him, you have a public filling, the spirit of God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Here's how, here's how Christians know they have the Spirit of God. It's not got anything to do with you speaking in tongues. It's not got anything to do with you having healing power. It's not got anything to do with you slapping someone on the forehead and casting out a devil. God has the ability to, 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 to deliver people. God has the ability, and sometimes God will use people's witness in their life to help someone. God has the ability to heal people, and sometimes God will take an ins- or a sincere prayer of a believer, and God will answer that prayer and heal an individual. God has that ability, but that is not how you know that you have the Spirit of Christ. Is anybody hearing me tonight? That is not how you know. I'll say something to you again. I appreciate Spirit-filled services. And I believe we have them around here. And I'm glad when people shout. I appreciate when people praise God. I appreciate when people cry and weep and worship God at the altars. But that is not how we know we have the Spirit of God. That is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. But that is not how we know that we have His Spirit. Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God has fruit. And it's not a gift as some would claim speaking in tongues or another gift like that. Do you have the Spirit? I don't know. Can you speak in tongues? No, I ain't learned how yet. You ain't got the Spirit. Go get it. When God saved you, He gave you His Spirit. I'm going to run that by you again. When God saved you, He gave you His Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians. We are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. That baptism in water didn't save you, but that baptism of the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ is what saved you. And everybody in here tonight that's been saved, we're baptized by one capital S Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, into one body, that's the body of Christ and His church. And every one of us that are saved, we're baptized by the Spirit of Christ into the body of Christ. 
And here's how we know we have his spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Now, verse 19, I'm done. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now John said in 1 John, And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. He said, you want to know you're saved? Keep his word. My word have I hid in my heart. I might not sin against God. Keep his word. Are you keeping his word tonight? If, if you're not, and I want to make a statement to you, if you're not keeping his word, I'm not saying you're not saved, but what I am saying is you don't know it. You don't have full assurance and you don't keep his word. What does he say? Not just keep his word, love his body. If you want to know you're saved, love the people of God. Love them. He said, you know you're saved. And if you want to know you're saved, do you have his spirit? Well, how do I know I have his spirit? His spirit's not a wildfire. The spirit of Christ is love. Joy. Do you have joy? Do you have joy? Listen, I'm trying to be done tonight. I nearly am. But let me talk to you. Do you have joy? Do you? Do you have joy? If the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, that's the fruit of His Spirit. You have joy. Do you have any joy? Do you really have love? You say, well, I love my children. I love my spouse. I, I, I understand that. But love is more than you loving the people that love you. Love is Real love is you loving people that don't love you. You loving people that don't even know they ought to love you. You love sinners. You love God's people. Long suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit. We may struggle with all of these, but we have these. Is there any long suffering for anybody? Or are you quick to cut everybody's head off? Gentleness. I love when God saves people because he changes them. You ever seen God take somebody that was rough and rude and crude and hard and harsh and save them and turn them into a big old crybaby in church? Huh? Huh. That's not something they did. That's something that the Spirit of God did. (laughs) Take mean and hard and harsh and change it. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, nine fruit of the Spirit of Christ. 
Young people, do you have that? Mom and daddy, do you have that? Listen, if you're struggling with one of those, I understand that. But if you have no time for this book, no love for this body, and your idea of the Spirit of Christ is what you can perform, you're probably missing out on true salvation. Because when God saves you, you can run as far as you want to run, but that book will hunt you down. It'll never leave you. It's living and powerful. And there's something about these people, you can, you can be as mad as you want to be and love them in the middle of it. And here's all it ever takes with God's people. I'm sorry. Me too. Let's hug. Isn't that amazing? You couldn't do that with the people you work with. Maybe one of you could, but they weren't going to do it back. I'll tell you something about God's people. The Spirit of God has given you fruit of His presence in your life. I want you to know that you know tonight that you're saved. There's no point in you coming to church on a Wednesday night wondering and worrying when God has given you a, or on a Sunday night wondering and worrying when God's given you a Bible and said you can know that you're saved. You can know. You say, preacher, I don't always read my Bible like I should. I'm done. You can come to the piano. I don't always read my Bible like I should. Preacher, I, I, I don't. I'll be honest, preacher, there's times I maybe go a week without reading it. Let me ask you a question tonight. And you ought to read your Bible. But does it bother you? Does God talk to you about it? Does God convict you about that? Just the very fact that God's word is on your mind even when it's not on your mind. It's on your mind even when it's not on your mind. You're busy and yet God's word, it's been a little while. You need to read the book. It's because it's kept. The Bible said about Mary when the angel of the Lord came and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be the Son of God. Mary marveled at these things. She's heard these things. And the Bible said she kept these things in her heart. She kept them in her heart. Everything she heard, she hid it in her heart, and she held on to it. Is God's Word kept in your heart? Is God's people in your heart? And is God's Spirit in your heart? If so, hereby we may know have eternal life. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you the opportunity this evening before we partake of the Lord's Supper and we'll dismiss. If you need to come pray tonight, uh, if there's things that you need to talk to God about, maybe there's sin in your life you need to confess, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We don't want to partake of it unworthily. We want our hearts to be right with God tonight. Let's, let's stand, if you will, or bow where you are. She's going to play and sing. Let's come and let's pray tonight and talk to the Lord.